Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host from Los Angeles, California, Joey. No chill, pray now. Good morning, Andy. Good to see your face again, buddy. Yeah, man. We're still here. We're still doing it. What is this? 740-something? You didn't listen. I I just said 734. 734. I I had 743 in my head, so I just swapped the last two. Maybe you uh, you're suffering from some CTE from watching another sham boxing match last night. I, I didn't watch, honestly. I didn't I saw, either. I saw clips on Twitter. Um, Me lots too. Lots of hugging. I, honestly, I I, I I tweeted it like I want to see the 27 guys Floyd Mayweather was able to knock out in his boxing career because a YouTuber is not one of them. It's really embarrassing. Like the state of boxing, and I know we've talked about it, and I don't know. I mean, that. that's not even, it's not even really a boxing match, though, right? It's an exhibition match. But, but it is like it essentially, it, it's still boxing. I, I know what you're saying that it's exhibition and it's all for money. And, but all of them are at this point. That's my point, though. It's, it's a sport that, like it would have been closer. And again, I didn't watch, I just saw clips, but it would have been even closer. If there was any chance for a rematch, then Floyd would have like taken a couple punches and then they would have had Mayweather, Paul, too. But it's just such like, I mean, the whole setup with like, we're going to have a fake hat grab. Like, it's so pathetic. I mean, it it really it's the equivalent of, of a team throwing games or trying. Less to make the series go longer. As far as boxing rematches, right? But I, I don't. I like. Does anybody think I, I've been seeing some uh, Twitter takes that Floyd wasn't trying to knock him out? And it's like, what's? How do you figure? What's the reasoning behind that? I actually just think Floyd Mayweather is a defensive fighting technician. Bitch. Always has been. Yeah. Every Floyd Mayweather, that's what I tweeted last night. I was like, uh, not a lot of action, just a lot of dodging and, uh, you know, dancing happening. And then I put, you know, I'm not actually watching. I just assume this is every Floyd Mayweather fight ever. Like, oh, what a great technical boxer. It's like, well, there's two sides to boxing. There's punching and then there's avoiding getting hit. Yeah, Floyd's great at avoiding getting hit, but like, When's the last time there was an enjoyable Floyd Mayweather fight where it wasn't just him avoiding, avoiding, avoiding. And now he's fighting a YouTuber who I know is like a lot bigger than him or whatever, but it's like, bro, I wonder what the comparison would be out like but, that. That should have been the goal. Like what's what's because I don't know enough about boxing. But what is the and I know what you're saying, though, I do know that much, right, that he 
doesn't knock people out. His career is avoiding getting hit. He's considered one of the best technicians of all time. But what is the sports equivalent of Floyd Mayweather for basketball or baseball or football? I don't know that there is one, really. I mean, because the, the boxing is a sport. There were this judges, you know, there's judgment. Yeah, that's why, like, you know, it's there's there's a lot of CTE. There's a lot of punch drunkenness in boxing. It's like it's not it's definitely not a safe sport, but there was a time in boxing. You know, it's it ended in my early days as a boxing fan. But like where these guys would go out there and somebody would try to beat the other one up and or they would try to beat each other up. And and there was it was pretty clear who the winner was. And whether it's for their safety, whether it's for, you know, whatever, you know, the last 20, 25 years of boxing has just been like, who's going to take less punches and win it on the cards. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure that there's exceptions to that rule, but the exceptions to that rule uh, are probably in the lower level fights, you know, because once you're in the championship thing, you're just thinking about, getting more of these fights and getting more of these fights and getting more of this money and more of this money. I mean, even Floyd's talking about how much money he made from this. It's like, bro, you like, that's fine. But how much money do you need? Because you made some money on this, but you embarrassed yourself. You went into the ring with a social media star and you didn't knock him out. And you claim to be one of the best boxers of all time. That's it. The end. It, well, you're, that's a pathetic performance. It, I mean, that's the thing, dude. It, money. You know, and even as I get older, you hear people talk about money. Money isn't, it's definitely not the end all be all. It never should be. And that's a very valid point of, dude, if you want to consider yourself. One but of the it best, is for him. His, his, his that, literal middle name is money. Floyd money Mayweather. It is the single most important thing to him. Which he's is letting, fine. Letting a social media star, they're, they're coming up with a, they're coming up with a, a script where the white social media star will steal the black boxer's hat in the press conference and do like, I got your hat thing. Like he couldn't, he couldn't be more open to embarrassing himself for money. Well, that's my point is that don't consider yourself or, anyone you you can't you can't have it both ways if you want to just make the money fine if that's your prerogative go for it but then you can't consider yourself one of the best boxers of all time if you're fighting a youtuber because you're right with the scripted hat thing at this point boxing is real housewives well i've i've literally been saying that for 15 years it's it's andy cohen creating a show for bravo boxing is real housewives and it's it's sad because, you know, there was a time I'm sure you had this where it was such a big deal to get the Tyson fight and to see him knock the shit out of somebody in the late 80s and 90s and the Holyfield fights and George Foreman. And now it's just like, whatever, man, he's fighting a YouTuber. Well, the, you know, and to be fair, the drama, the Tyson thing you know, the, the, the second round of Tyson's career post jail was probably the beginning, the real beginning of this, of this thing, because it was like the boxing wasn't that great. 
it became the drama of he bit him and we're going to do this and there's going to be a rematch. And we're going to do that. And we're going to do and an, all that stuff. It just became a thing where it's like, I mean, the sad part of boxing is it's always about like, we've we're stealing your money now, but we're also setting you up to steal your money later. And for me, it's always been like, bro, you can steal. You can only steal my money once. Sure. Like I, you can do the hype and I can buy in Roy Jones Jr. and Bernard Hopkins and whatever. And I'm like, if they don't beat the shit out of each other, I'm out. I'm not doing this thing again where it was like, oh, we're going to do this. But then it never really happens. But next time it will. I'm like, no, fool me once. Fucking shame on you. You know, and you like, can make the argument right when you go to other sporting events. I can complain about the overpriced bottles of water or beer or hot dogs at the local ballpark, but every game is different. Whereas boxing, it, it seems to run the same script. You know, when I go to onto a baseball game, I don't know if I'm going to see 11, nothing game, a one, nothing game boxing. Like you're saying, it seems like it's following the same script of it's all fake and there's not going to be a lot of punches thrown or connected. And I don't know, maybe I just don't know enough. Maybe I'm wrong. I listen, I don't watch a ton of boxing anymore because, uh, because of this very reason, it just seems very orchestrated. And, and listen, we're doing, we are in a way we are being a little unfair to boxing right now to be talking about the sport of boxing as it, as it pertains to, a social media yeah. you know, thievery. Sure. But this motherfucker was on Showtime and this did go just like every Floyd Mayweather fight in history went. Floyd See, Mayweather that- has, has, is 51 and no, he's knocked out 27 guys. When you start watching boxing, when, when guys are up and comers, when guys have title shots, they're usually like, you know, 25 and oh, or 25 and one, and they've knocked out 24 people. It's like how you get there. The dude hasn't knocked anybody out in in a in over a decade. Yeah, that's really telling. And your point about Showtime is also very telling. This isn't a thriller fight. This isn't a app that did a 180 and turned into some sort of boxing promotional company. This was on Showtime which shows where boxing is at. Right. That's crazy. This is the, uh, this is the idiocracy portion of like the, the movie idiocracy is, I mean, it's coming true. Like one thing at a time, it's, it's amazing how fucking spot on that movie has turned out to be, but like, it's moving like a wave. It's moving like a shadow over the over the plains and it is definitely enveloped boxing and and honestly it enveloped boxing a long time ago now they're just like well we can't make like all the fights we put out are so bad that like we can't even get people invested in the drama of this but, shit anymore so now we have to literally bring dramatic actors in to cause drama and they will fight people like but so, we are. We are not that long away from having, you know, De Niro Stallone be an actual boxing match. That I'd watch that. But we're talking about it. See, that's the thing. The argument could be made. Hey, you guys can diss it all you want. You're opening your podcast to give it 10 minutes. Yeah. 
So but I didn't give it $50 and that's, what's important. And I got gotcha. you. Shame on you. Yeah. I, I didn't, I just watched a couple Twitter clips. I didn't really read too much about it outside of that. I watched some highlights. Um, I was, I was too busy with my, my own world. And also, you know, dissecting the, uh, the Sunday of basketball as, as we move along in the NBA playoffs. And we, we, we had another, Great performance by Luca. I'm going to leave with that because that's that's my take. Um, obviously, they lose. It's a team game, but he's pretty awesome to watch. And I, and I again, I think we're going to agree here. I just don't think his appreciate his value is appreciated enough. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen. I I think it, it's hard to say. It's it's hard to you know, see that he is getting, I, I think that this was the moment. I think, I think this, this postseason is the moment for the generational turn. And we can talk about that in a minute, but also I think this is the postseason where it, it became very clear. Like Luca is now the best player in basketball, in my opinion, the best was, all was, around player in basketball. And I, I was going to bring torch, that up. I think the torch has been passed. I think the torch has been passed, you know, Le- LeBron without you know, uh, AD and without having any of his guys step up could only do so much. Now he, he was, you know, playing the two seed. Um, and that's one thing, but I think that this was the thing like, and as honestly, I think as good as LeBron played, uh, he could only do so much. And Luca, meanwhile, you know, similarly deficient cast i will say i think you know his his supporting cast especially when lebron has ad out is significantly better than the lakers but at the same time he's just he's doing what a young prime lebron did which is making all the shots getting everybody involved doing all the things i think this was the moment where the best all-around basketball player torch has been passed and at the same time you know I know I said this yesterday. I know social media and NBA Twitter and the old heads and the whatever. Uh, it's like, well, he lost in the first round again, again. So what does it matter? What does it fucking matter? And it's like, dude, just, you know, the eye test is all that you need. If you have any sort of basketball intelligence and what the guy's doing from a shot making standpoint, from a facilitating standpoint, you know, from running the offense, he, you know, is doing what prime LeBron did. He's doing everything. And there's only so much that you can do. And there's only so much you can do against better competition against better all around teams. Like the guy had 29 points in the first half. Yeah. Was he I, up I, to 30? No, he had, no, I was just, I, that was actually going to be my next point was that he had, he had 29 points at, Oh, hold on. Sorry. Why does it do that? He had 29 points at half. And guess what? They were losing. Yeah. So it's, it's a great point. I have a, I have a pretty cool stat that I saw that I want to read off about Luca. Like this isn't one of those stats in a vacuum. This is just like, wow, this shows for anybody who wants to disagree with how great he is. And I probably agree with you as far as the torch being passed. Luca already has five 40 point playoff games. Yeah. 13 career playoff games. Now, now listen to this. The following players have don't have five 40 point, 
40 point playoff games and they've played in at least 50 playoff games. Again, Lucas played in 13 Damian Lillard, Carmelo, Anthony, Tracy McGrady, Kyrie Irving, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Vince Carter, Tim Duncan, Carl Malone. Yeah. And listen, again, I think the thing with Luca is uh, it's so much more than just the scoring. Although obviously he does the heavy lifting on the scoring for that team. Um, You know, it's crazy because uh, I have a friend who's a Mavs fan and he asked me yesterday, who is the number two for the Mavs next year? And I said, I don't know, but also I'm not sure that that's the question when you have Luca that you need to be asking. I think you need to they have a history in the Dirk championship of Dirk and the gang. I think you need to raise the level of everybody around. Like, you know, everybody's shitting on Perzingis, everybody's shitting on, uh, you know, the, the kind of the rest of the squad. And I think Perzingis, uh, while, you know, disappointing in living up to like, Oh, he's a unicorn. I think is a good piece for them. I think, Tim Hardaway Jr. is a good piece for them. But I think what you need is you need a bunch more guys like that. You need a bunch more shot makers around Luka. The same way when you look at that Mavs team that won the championship, it was Dirk, a, a couple of key defensive guys in Tyson Chandler and some and some literally nothing but wing defender types that Sean could Merriman. help. That could uh, help Sean stop. Merriman. Yeah. Uh, Sean, Sean Merriman. Sean Marion. Yeah. Yeah who was also a shot maker, you know, sure. he, he can make shots, but then they had like the Stevenson's and the Karam Butler's and the, whatever that were guys who were literally just out there who could defend wing players. And then guys who could just make shots, Jason Terry, you know, uh, Marion was, was, um, pa- was page page on that page. Yeah. yeah. Berea, Jason kid, like all of those guys, veteran shot makers. And that's exactly what, the Mavs are missing right now. That's exactly what the Lakers are missing now. And it's tough these days to, to, to stockpile those guys, but shooters are easier to find than playmakers. And I think that that's the thing is like, yes, we could talk about who the number two is, but also just raise the level of everybody around the guy. And listen, I, again, I'm just not a old head idiot, you know, doesn't watch the games, whatever. Like Luca proves to me in yet another first round loss that he, I think is the best player all around player in basketball. He's now lost and, and he's lost in the first round more times than LeBron James has already. And people are again, you know, shitting on LeBron for not getting it done. And you're like, I just, you know, you just have to watch the games. You just yeah. have to watch. Well, who's out there? Who's not out there? And not only that, you know, when you watch the game, when you listen to Mark Jackson and Van Gundy discuss how great he is, guys who have an astute knowledge of the game, I think it's pretty obvious. I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you that the, the torch is being passed, and we can't forget Luca is 22. He just turned yeah. 22 in February, and. To bring up some history, I mean, Jordan was one and nine until Scottie Pippen came along. Right. In the playoffs. So that's three first round exits. And and again, it was the same thing with Jordan. There's only so much Michael Jordan could do. 
There's only so much LeBron James can do. This isn't Magic Johnson going to a stacked Lakers team his rookie year and they win the title. Right. It's a completely different situation. And you got to remember that Luca and LeBron come into this league before they're 22 years. Like now we're talking about Luca 22. Michael Jordan came in and lost for three years as a college junior. Sure. It's true. Yeah. You're right. So he basically, Jordan basically came in at Luca's current age, right? A year right. younger. I mean, it is. Look, if I'm a Dallas fan, I'm feeling great because you have an owner who's going to make it work as far as finding pieces. And if it doesn't work to continue to retool. And he's a guy that, like you said, is just going to make everyone so much better with not, not just the scoring. It's just every, you know, I don't know if you were listening to the audio, you know, Van Gundy at one point said, he goes, he goes, they're just breaking wide open threes. He said, Lucas should have 20 assists right now. Right. And, and that, and then that's exactly what, you know, they we're win, talking they about win that them. game. If they hit their threes, they win that right. game. I, I Absolutely. And, and that's why you got to surround the guy with shot. Me. Like think about what, what, you know, when you're building around a guy like Luca in the same ways, when you're building around a guy like LeBron, bring in guys to do the things that it's hard for somebody that's facilitating your entire offense and doing the, the majority of your scoring to do. Bring in a guy who can defend the other team's best player simply because, you know, again, look at the Pippen Jordan thing. Is, was Jordan competent to, to guard the other team's best player? Yes. Was LeBron competent to guard the other team's best player? Yes. But why would you do that when they have to carry the load on offense? Why not? Why not bring in a guy that the you know it's it's no one talks about it, but like the key to the Bulls championships was Scottie Pippen's guarding the other team's best player better than anybody basically in history. The other team's wing player at at the very least. And then Jordan doesn't even have to think about it. Jordan's running around, you know, stealing the ball from Jeff Hornacek when he's not looking. And, you know, so bring in a guy that that can help Luca do the things that he can't do himself. Bring in a guy to guard the other team's best player. Bring in shot makers because he can make the shots that he takes. But what about the shots he's getting other people? Bring in some of those guys. And yeah. I, I think, you know, they're going to have to definitely make a move. But I don't think the answer with the Mavs, uh, again, and you can see this with the Lakers series, is like finding the other guy to go with Luka. It's like you do that, then then your whole destiny is on the shoulders of the health of two guys. Whereas if you surround Luka with a bunch of dudes who can make shots, if you go with that 2011 Mavs plan and one guy goes down, who cares? Yeah. Well, look, they, they have guys. I mean, we, we know this, like, like even on this team, they have guys that could shoot. They just didn't. They were 10 of 36 from three guys like Hardaway just went cold. They're, they're 10 of 36. That's 27%. Whereas the Clippers are 20 of 43. So we're talking a difference of 30 points. If you just cut that in half, it's a tie game. Yeah. Which isn't a crazy thing to say. And and you saw that in game one of 
the Bucks Nets game where Milwaukee could not hit a, you dude in today's NBA, you have to hit your threes. If you have a game where you're that off, you can be off, but not that off. Yeah. You don't, you don't stand a chance of winning. Right. You just don't. And, and that's exactly what happened that game. You know, James Harden goes down. So you think you, or you would put the, you know, the potential of the win, it's going to veer totally towards Milwaukee, but if you can't hit a shot, yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And that, that series will be interesting to me. I, I thought it was going to be a good series Nets win. Um, but when Harden went down and now Harden go out, I, I immediately was like, man, that like, I already thought this was going to be a good series, like a six game Nets win series, you know, and the difference between a six game series and the seven, like the difference between a team winning in six and the other team winning in seven is one break here and one break there. So, you Harden's know, out, me, game two. I, yeah, I know. And so Harden being out now, the Nets showed me something in game one, being able to win with Harden out. I still think long term that can be, you know, difficult. I think the the box are going to make an adjustment for that. Um, but like you said, you have to hit your shots. You just absolutely have to hit your shots because, I mean, th that's the difference between a blowout in the NBA and, you know, a close game that could go either way. If one team's hitting their shots and the other team isn't, we're looking at a blowout. I mean, that's that's what happened in the Nets game. That's what happened in the Mavs game. One team's hitting their shots, the other isn't. It's a 15-point game. That's just yeah. that's just that's just the state of the NBA these days. Yeah, no, it's it's really true. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, you don't have to you don't have you can't shoot 20 to 25% from three. You can win a game when you shoot 35%. I'm yeah. not saying you got to shoot 40% you of can win a game when you shoot 30%. But when you're in the twenties, that's the difference. And again, the, both those games that we're talking about, if you watched them, these were open looks guys are just breaking them right. open looks, which to bring it back to your point earlier, that was the thing about that 2011 Mavs team, man, that whole playoffs, they couldn't miss. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, beat the shit out of the two-time defending Lakers in a 4-0 sweep. Yeah. Phil Jackson's worst playoff loss ever was that game four in Dallas where they beat the hell out of them. Yeah. So if, if you start making your shots... It's because Kobe didn't have the killer instinct that game. Was that the game when Bynum... Yes. Who, who did he toss on the ground? Was that Berea? I, f I forget. Yeah, he like elbowed somebody in the throat, right? Yeah. And and our test got kicked out, I think. That's right. Man, I don't know. Pretty soft nowadays. Guys nope. guys don't guys don't fight. They don't have tenacity. It's just a lack of killer instinct on Kobe's part. I just don't know how he kept those shots from going in. I, I, I remember you know what I remember vividly about that game? I was in the old smut studio. The old, old setup. This is 2011. I remember like the TV's in like the far corner. I don't even know where it is. I'm washing the dishes and it was one of those, I just, the game, I just, I'll never forget. I was washing the dishes and I'm like, this is so ugly. Like the, the Lakers were down. Like, am I wrong? I think they were down like 50 at one point, at least yeah. 40. Yeah. No, they, they basically lost by like 40. Didn't they? I think they were down 50. I remember just washing the dishes and be like, I know this it was is glorious. I was running around doing the fucking 
three ball thing. I was so excited. That was well, I, that's one of my favorite teams ever. Talked to Damo sometime about when I visited him in Tahoe, and it was like two in the morning. He's like, "Bro, I got to go to bed. You can't talk to me about the 2011 Cavs or Mavs anymore." I'm like, "No, but you don't understand." Well, I wasn't. I, I was, you know, I wanted the Lakers to continue winning because it's yeah. fun. It's fun living in a city when they win a title, and I had had two fun title runs as far as partying. I'm like, well, that's over. Little did I know the whole thing was over for a while. But yeah, no killer instinct from Kobe that game. You got to overcome that 50-point deficit. Put that team on your back, though. Yeah. Uh, the Hawks with a surprising game one win. Yeah. I, well, I was surprised that, the, I mean, listen, I think that this is a good matchup for them. Um, I think that they're playing with a lot of confidence. I think Trey Young is, you know, it, it's funny because people love to talk about the softness of the NBA when, you know, it comes to like LeBron flopping, whatever. Meanwhile, Trey Young has literally is literally t- taken the James Harden softness of the NBA to the next level and has figured out how to like maneuver for every call when guys are somehow behind him and still fouling him. But he's he's got the referees pretty dialed in right now. I think this is a good matchup for them. Um, Embiid played. And they they almost come back and win. He played well. Yeah, he played well. Uh, Doc Rivers has a rotation disaster. Like Doc Rivers' rotation in that game was a mess. And I'm not surprised. Like this is the kind of thing where you go, you look at you look at the matchups and you go, oh well, the you know the Sixers are going to have the Knicks Hawks winner. It, it, the, the Sixers are going to be eating the Eastern Conference Finals. And then you got to remember, listen, Doc Rivers, he's a great guy and his players like him and everybody's going to play hard. But when you get into the playoffs, it comes down to the strategy, it comes down to your rotations, it comes down to who are you going to play? When are you going to play them? It comes down to like what what plays are you going to call out of timeouts? And all the teams are pretty good. So the idea that Literally, Doc Rivers coached his way out of a game one win, coached himself into a 20-point deficit at one point, 15-point deficit. It's like, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. And and I think it's going to be a good series, and I think it could go either way. Sure. I was thinking the same thing when I was watching it. I was thinking the Doc thing, saying, here we, it's like, here we go again. And I know it's just one game, and it's a seven-game series, but it re- I think it really could go either way. Especially if you have, I mean, any, especially if you have an Embiid question in, mark the whole series. That's what I was going to say. Which brings me to a point I want to discuss that I wrote down. I, I want to discuss just the, the injuries. Now, Embiid has been plagued by injuries his entire career. Yeah. So I don't want to include him in this, but maybe I'm, maybe this is me coming from like a homer perspective as somebody who's rooted for the lakers the last you know 15 years or whatever but it's not just the lakers i i think the injuries that have happened throughout the nba to major stars across the board i think this rush season was a huge mistake well he, i i think there's there's a double factor i mean Listen, I guess the question is, what's a mistake? You know, the NBA is making money and they're like, you know, you, you have to look at it from their long term strategy of we have to get back on schedule at some point. This is is 
is the season um, two months later than it starts every year going forward. Now we're just like, we're constantly behind and we're all, we're, there's just going to be no sort of consistency to when the league starts and ends its year. Um, why not do so, a second? Why not just do back-to-back shortened seasons? That that's fine. Then, you know, that's, that's a strategy, but that's a, potentially long-term benefit for getting everything back on track with the health of these guys. But, it, but because, because you lose money is the, sure. Is the sure. And nobody wants to lose money. Nobody wants to lose money, but I, and I thought this out actually before I wanted to bring this in for a discussion, I'm thinking the league is run by the stars. When LeBron's hurt and Anthony Davis and Durant and Harden and all the injuries that have happened across the board, that's not helping. You want these, you want these guys in the playoffs. You do. Well, so, so here's, here's what happened. If you look at the league this year and there's probably somebody in the league office, who's like, this is good, which is the, the generation, like it was almost a forced generation switch. Usually it happens a little bit more naturally where the, 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 you know, the mid to late thirties guys carry teams through the playoffs one last time and, and a young team here or there makes a run with them. And then you see that the next year that team progresses and whatever, but now we've got, you know, Hawks Sixers. I mean, just look at this. Just look at the leaders on these teams. I mean, I think Embiid's 26 or 27 and he's basically like the oldest to the bunch at this point trey young is across from him he's 20 what four um you know you had you had luca who's 22 leading the mavs the clippers obviously are the one team that gets through with with vets the bucks are young their buck star is young. The Nuggets, I mean, Jokic is 26 as well, 27 as well. Devin Booker's 24. Um, the Nets obviously have guys in their 30s who are leading them. But the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell is young. Like, we're now at the point where almost in one offseason, we did something that usually takes a couple years to quietly happen, where slowly teams get moved out with with superstar vets and the young bucks take over and we've seen that change happen over the years way more gradually i mean we were a we were a you know luca clippers performance away from having the entire second round with the exception of the nets who have put together three you know veterans on one team in in durant and, and irving and harden from being an all an all 20 something star led teams that it's usually way, way, way more gradual than that. And I think that's a combination of that. This is how it tends to go, but also the shortened season, the injuries and the, you know, the LeBron James is the Anthony Davis is the whatever being hurt, not getting. And, and then you also look at teams like people say, Oh, it's the, you know, people love to shit on, this Lakers team and this, and this heat team for, Oh, you were, you were bubble pretenders. It's like, no, we were the teams that were playing hella late in the last year and then had to turn around and come back and start a season right away. Well, that's, that's another one of my points that I wanted to bring up. You have both finals teams 
losing in the first round this year. Because they didn't get a break. Exactly. And I don't know the last time that's happened. I don't have it in front of me. It's an interesting stat I'd love someone to give me. And then you have the list, which uh, has been (coughs) tweeted out. And I, and I like this. This is interesting by, I saw the tweet. His name's Jonathan uh, Danilich or Danilich. I don't know how it's pronounced, but this is the current list of teams left in the NBA finals. I'm sorry, in the NBA playoffs. And the last time they won a title. Sixers, 1983. Bucks, 1971. Hawks, 1958. And the rest have never won a title. That's the Suns, right. Nets, Jazz, Nuggets, Clippers. So look, the argument could be made, which you're saying. Somebody might like that. I could counter argue that, though. Dude, you want your marketable stars. LeBron and AD are way more marketable. People know them. The casual, very casual basketball fan knows them and might not really know Devin Booker. Well, but my my, I guess the, the flip side of that argument would be that they know them because they played in NBA finals. They know them because they go deep in the playoffs. I mean, Anthony Davis on the Pelicans is essentially, you know, Trey young on the Hawks, Devin Booker on the Suns. But he also, you know, he also is known for his, his unibrow and he won a title at Kentucky. You know, I'm just saying like, like Devin Booker played at Kentucky, but he won a title. Right. Uh, Listen, I, I mean, in terms of like star power, whatever, but like in terms of the NBA guys, you know, people watching everything is like, that's how you, make your name in the NBA sure. is by a deep playoff run. So, and for the record, Joe, I'm not against this. I'm just tossing out a listen, discussion. Do I think there are some regrets within executives at the NBA saying, man, we kind of fucked this up. Um, I don't think there are uh, in, from an NBA standpoint, I think that, you know, this is the other side. This is what they, they, they factored this stuff in, but they're like, mm, the money we might lose in that. Like, did, do they want, you know, a LeBron finals? Probably. I don't know. Like, I don't know how the internal tracking, what the internal tracking says about like, you know, are people sick of LeBron? Are they not like whatever my concern uh, uh, where I think they fucked up more is that I think the bubble was properly competitive. They played all the games last year, essentially, um, you know, give or take, like obviously the teams that, that weren't going to be in either way, then you go into the bubble. And I mean, I think we all thought bubble ball, the quality of bubble basketball was great. So they figured out a way to get through last year and do it right. Then they maybe jumped the gun this year. And, and my concern is really more with like the competitive, like making it correct, making it correct competitively. And I think if you just look at the Heat and you just look at the Lakers, teams like that who had to go deep into the playoffs last year, turn around and come back, didn't get the fairest shot. But that's, listen, that's also sports. It's like, you know, the the, the playing field's not always going to be level. This is just the way things go sometimes. Um, but, you know, from the NBA standpoint, I think that they're, you know, the... The silver lining here is that a lot of their young stars are going to get hoisted up and yeah. they're going to get they're they're going to do this generational transition in hyperspeed because you look at the LeBron James are out, the Anthony Davises are out, 
the Dame Lillards are out. Like the, you know, the last generation of guys, the, the, the teams led by older stars tend to have not made it. And the teams led by younger stars are making it. And it's like, okay, well, the whole world is going to be, you know, be on a Jokic, Donovan Mitchell or Jokic or Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell or whatever. Like these young stars are going to play in a Western conference finals and an Eastern conference finals. Who do Obviously, we love? There's a chance that the Clippers and, and the Nets. Sure. Do it. And that that'll be, and it'll be interesting to see. I would argue that I would still argue that's still what the NBA wants. They want Clippers Nets. Yes. Because of the name recognition. What do we think about Denver Phoenix Clippers jazz? Who do we like? I mean, these really are some tough, tough series. Really tough for me. I like the Clippers coming out of that series, the way they did. And the way Kawhi played, he played an amazing series. But, but like, I, and I don't normally, like, I'm not a huge jazz fan. Um, I don't know who is, um, but More, Mormons. Right. Um, but like, I think the jazz are now being sort of forgotten. And I, dare I say, I like the jazz in that series. The Clippers had their hands full. Now I understand Luca. Listen, I just said the pat the torch has been passed. Luca is the best player in the world. But the Clippers had their hands full versus Luca and the other guys. The Jazz are the one seed. The Jazz are our deep team. Team basketball. The Jazz, the Jazz have shot makers. The Jazz have a defensive star in the middle. The Jazz have a scoring star on on the outside. The Jazz like, also have a coach who loves cocaine even better <laughs> um dare i say i like the jazz okay we're, we're gonna disagree on this i think the jazz are the better team obviously the number one seed but i don't know man i feel like Kawhi is getting in that getting in that championship mode again he looked he looked crisp especially when they needed him the last two games i'm gonna go with the clippers to win that series okay which i think everybody probably else is you're right for that reason, the Jazz are under the radar, which is ridiculous. But I like the Clippers. And I like the Denver. The Denver series. The Denver Phoenix series is probably the toughest one for yeah. me. Until until the big question mark. And and by the way, there's the 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 Sixers Hawks series is going to be close. The Nets Bucks series, depending on how hard is or is not healthy, is going to be close. But the, the Nuggets Sun series for me is really, really tough. I think the Suns, the Suns have that 2011 Mavs feel where it's like the, I think the momentum is building because they beat the Lakers. But I, but I also fear that they peaked too early, that they're feeling a little too good. I love Jokic. I love a team built around a guy who's going to facilitate. I mean, he's probably my favorite player left to watch. Um, I think that's going to be a great series. Um, it's really tough for me because I feel like the, the, the Suns are definitely feeling themselves a little bit. And 
you know, the Nuggets, they had some trouble just with Portland. That's, that's tough. It's really tough for me. I'll be rooting for the Nuggets. I really don't know which way I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for a good series and I'm rooting for the nuggets, but I don't know which way that one's going to go. I guess if you put a gun to my head, I'd pick the nuggets for my heart, but like, I think it could go either way. Has a, has a team ever won the title that was dating a Kardashian or a Jenner? Cause Devin Booker is with Kendall Jenner, Tristan Thompson, right? That's what I was going to ask. Was Tristan with Chloe? I have no idea. That's what you need. Lamar Odom. Ooh, that's a good one too. I don't know how long ago this, this has been going on. Like how long ago they've been on the scene, like a fish, like it's fascinating. I mean, mean, it it, it truly, I know we've talked about it's, it's, it's fascinating to have one family. Is, is Devin Booker currently dating a Kardashian? He's dating a Kendall Jenner. Okay. They're a little more under the wraps. Like it's not as much, there's not as much social media out there with them publicly showing it. But the reason I ask that is it's pretty amazing if you look at the teams. And I the mean, guys we also, I'm, I've seen the meme a few times already, but like the gelling of this team since they all got head together. Hey, I tweeted that out. I'm just saying, I find that hilarious. What about the nut? Yeah. I just can't wait for like the Kevin Garnett, like, DeAndre Ayton moment where he's had his hat on Sundays, he's holding the championship. He's like, "What about the nut? <laughs> All nuts at one time. Anything is possible. What Dude, about the nut? I agree, man. You, you know, and and this is where we disagreed. If you remember, I, I'm like, "Hey, dude, it's it's a bro bonding thing." You're like, "I don't know. It's pretty weird." Well, man. I mean, listen the 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 game changer right was they bring in chris paul a guy who was not part of the nut was not part of what we're now referring to as the nut um and he's sort of the you know he's sort of the quiet veteran leader of this team he's like listen you know the sons are like listen we got all these guys young talented guys who are all part of the nut so they have a bond but we need we need to bring in an outsider, a non-nut guy, to kind of be the vocal veteran leader of this. And so you take like what a what a what a GM team building strategy, a, a crew of guys from the nut and a vet like Chris Paul. I mean, you might be convincing me that they're going to win this series. I think I'm convincing myself. Well, let, 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 let's do a quick reminder for everybody who's like, "What are you talking about?" It's Memorial Day weekend. Uh huh. On my birthday, I seen them all at Dre's. Like, okay, so she's talking about the Phoenix Suns, Dre's club in Vegas. This one team. Okay. She's so shy. It's just so cute, <laughs> baby. And I don't know. I was getting fucked in a hotel room. They all pulled up, <laughs> and I sucked their. But then, like, down the whole team. Seven. Seven basketball players in a row. Mm-hmm. How was that? <laughs> I was fucked oh up. I didn't fuck any of them though. She what happened to the nuts? <laughs> <laughs> so concerned. He's so like, bro, like that. Like I'll never not be freaked out by him. Just be me. That's his first follow up question. What about the nuts? And he didn't say calm. He didn't say semen. Yeah. He said nuts. What happened to the nuts? Yeah. 
What do you think happened to him, buddy? That's that's like that's like you have a roommate. They all shot him into the fucking ice bucket. Jesus yeah. Christ. You have a roommate. Your roommate's like, dude, did you eat all the nuts? Yeah. What happened, what, what happened to the nuts? You know, I, you know, I love that that mixed bag of nuts from Costco. What happened honestly, to the nuts? honestly, it's it, his his question is like, if you came back to your roommates and you're like, yo, I was out. I was out in Vegas last night. And I'm at Dre's and I'm partying and the whole Phoenix Suns team is there. And then the Phoenix Suns team is like, yo, you want to go to this VIP, you know, suite with us? And I'm like, yeah. And so then this girl blows me and all the Suns. And suddenly your roommate holds up an empty bag of pecans. And he's like, but what about the nuts, dude? And you're like, bro, you're missing. You are not focused on the right portion of this story. He's like, no, but I'm just saying, what about the nuts? Like, I go to Trader Joe's, I buy the nuts, and you just eat them. Oh, man. Did we ever learn which seven players? No, but like, I, if it's, it feels like the set, it feels like it's the seven, you know, it feels like it's the core seven of the young sons. Yeah, I think so. Who do you like in this series? I think like my opinions changed since we discussed the nut. I was going to say Denver. I think Denver, you know, it's, it's crazy because we're now we're, we're talking about it again, but this, to me, this Denver team, again, you have, it's, it's very similar to LeBron. It's very similar to Luca. I, I, and, and again, I'm partial to guys who facilitate, but when you look at that first series that, that Denver plays, you know, I like a Denver team in this series. If you have a Michael Porter Jr. series, if you have, you know, these guys making shots and making plays, like if you have guys stepping it up, it's, it's, it's going to, they're going to be tough because Jokic does such a good job finding guys and such a good job facilitating. And he also has the ability to go off himself. It's like, it, it it's like the, the Blazers series all over like but like if Booker gets 50 they can still win the the Nuggets can still win but they need those guys that like Michael Porter Jr. was great in that first series and I and I like him a lot and but he's young he's he's spotty and uh but he has crazy athleticism and he like it's the kind of guy where like we need a lead dog on the on the guys who are going to help out. So like, I like to see a big series from him. Um, you know, I'm, I'll say this: I'm rooting for the Nuggets because of the the LeBron trolling that went on. Like, I just think that's so funny and lame simultaneously. Is like, you know, you have Jay Crowder who goes onto the Cavs. He's he's garbage. And now he's like doing LeBron trolling after him playing, you know, scoring like six points on another team. It's like your butt hurt because you're trash on the Cavs. Like, are we two years away from Kyle Kuzma scoring six points in a playoff game for some other team, not the Lakers and trolling LeBron because he was so garbage on the Lakers. Now Crowder actually played Crowder played pretty well last series. He played fine, but like, was he great? no, but for the reasons we just discussed, I think I'm rooting for Phoenix now. Although I love, I love watching the Joker, but I mean the nut guys, the nut yeah. team, 
Imagine that ESPN 30 for 30. Yeah, the nut team. What if I told you seven guys all got blowjobs from a wannabe Instagram model outside Dre's in Las Vegas? ESPN presents Phoenix Suns. What about the nut? Yeah. Forget sunrise, the sun rising, the nuts rising. That's what that's what's happening. Okay. Anything else we want to add on NBA? Or are we going to wrap that up and move on to the Julio Jones trade? Yeah, let's do it. That's fine with me. Cool. So he's finally been traded after all the talk of where is he going? Where is he going? He is a member of the Titans. The Falcons give up a 2022 second round pick. And Atlanta gets the Titans fourth in 2023. And they give back their six in 2022. Three, and you know, there's money involved as well. I think it was more of a salary cap thing for the Falcons. Julio Jones is 32 years old. He's coming off an injury plague season where he had the fewest amount of yards and receptions since 2013, when he only played five games. I think it's a good trade all around. A lot of people are freaking out saying they didn't get anything back. I don't think people realize the value of a skilled player at his age. Wait, people are, people are upset that with which side of it. I think, I think at least from what I saw and I didn't look too closely, but you see a lot of people saying, Oh, they didn't get enough in return on Julio Jones. I, I would think that my, my take was this. You know, I know there's a lot of people who are like, this is just the value of like a 32 year old wide receiver who's coming off an injury these days. And my response to that is I have to think that there's 14 teams that were like, oh, that's all it was going to take. Fuck. We fucked up because the, the reason you acquire Julio Jones right now is because you think you are close sure, and you hope and it's a it's a roll of the dice. And I think that, like, I love this deal for the Titans. I I do too. I don't think that Atlanta got as, like, I don't think Atlanta did their due diligence in saying what his, you know, what the offers were, because I just think it's crazy that a team that's more desperate than the Titans wouldn't have offered more. But, you know, you can talk about Julio Jones' value right now, but again, you're hoping he comes not back to like, oh, dominant self, but gets to some close-ish, gets three quarters of the way there, gets 60% of the way there. Because here's the thing. It's, uh, you know, for the Joe Prano Dirty Sports drinking game, get, get your beers ready. It's a Super Bowl or bust league. And I think if you're the Titans, if you're looking at your window, and listen, I know – the Titans are building something great. And I know that, you know, Tannehill has helped Derrick Henry more than Derrick Henry's helped Tannehill and blah, blah, blah. The Titans whole game plan is built on Derrick Henry is going to dominate you. Derrick Henry is going to keep the ball away from you. Henry is going to punish people. Your window right now, this window, and, you know, good teams – Make it like, don't let their window close before they come up with a, di- open a different window. But their window right now is built on the, the Derrick Henry prime, which 
How long is that? Three more years? Yeah. Four maybe. more years? So uh, a second, a sixth, and a fourth or whatever don't help you win a championship in the next three years as much as potentially adding a beyond solid number two wide receiver. Yeah. No, I love it. I do. I love it for the Titans for everything you're saying. I think it's a great move and I think he can still contribute. And I understand it from Atlanta's perspective. They're going to retool for the future and it's a cost saving trade. See, see to me, to me, this is the difference. This is the difference between a team like the Cincinnati Bengals. And I know I always bring it home, but I am and the Atlanta Falcons. The Bengals franchise tagged AJ Green last year and gave him $18 million. Yeah. They're basically the same age. Yep. Falcons said, we're not going to do something like that. Julio Jones has been amazing. He's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. He's top 20 all time in receiving yards as of right now. But we're going to, you know, cut our losses. He's been great for us. He's been great for Matt Ryan. And we're going to trade him. And I think it works out great for Tennessee. And Tennessee is that close. We both know that. They are that close and they're going all in. They're putting their cards in the middle and they're saying, Hey, this is what we got. And like you said, Derrick Henry has got so much mileage on those legs. It's only going to go so far. I think it's great for both teams. I mean, I just look at again there. I think this is only a deal that so many teams would want to do because it's, it's a, you're rolling the dice and, but it's potentially pushing you over the top. But if it doesn't work out, so what? But you look at a team like the Packers. Are the Packers sitting around going like, no, we don't want to give up a second and a fourth and a sixth to make Aaron Rodgers happy to potentially add another great wide receiver to push us over the top when we were in an NFC championship game two years in a row? Like to me, whether or not he actually ends up being as valuable, those picks, how are like, I just cannot believe that there weren't other teams out there like the Packers who are willing to do better than a second, a fourth and a sixth. I don't know what do I don't, to be honest, I don't know what's going on in green Bay right now. I don't think anybody does. I don't, doesn't, I, th- doesn't it deal like that solve so many problems? It costs you essentially nothing. You 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 hand this olive branch in the form of a all-time wide receiver. Well, the argument would be you're not going to get. Let's just talk about the second pick. You're, you know, I would argue. I think most people would agree with me. You're not going to get a second rounder of the value for the next two years that Julio Jones can bring to your team. Potentially. Right. Sure. Right. But you're, but the, again, it's that, that's be, why that's it's why gotta that, be the that, teams who it's gotta be the teams who go forget three years from now. What that's about my, that's, my po- that's my point. That's my point. That's my point. Right. For the next two years. That's exactly the, my point. Like this is a terrible I, I don't, I don't deal. Know. This is a terrible deal. If the giants make it sure. It's a terrible deal. It's a terrible deal. If the jets make it it's sure. A terrible deal. If you know, the bears make it. It's a terrible deal if the Broncos make it, but it's a great deal if somebody who's close makes it. 
and somebody who has an established quarterback. Yeah. Who's shown they can win in the playoffs. Yeah. So I obviously that would have been great for green Bay. And I think that, and I think the Atlanta Falcons just couldn't have possibly called around enough. If that's the best that they offer, they could get. I just don't think, I just can't believe that there wasn't a more desperate close to winning. So you think the Falcons could have got a higher value than a second round? I think so. I think okay. I we disagree there. Well, maybe not even a second rounder, but like I'm talking, you got a second, a fourth, and a sixth next year or whatever it was. Like you couldn't get two second rounders. Yeah, maybe two second rounders. You're definitely not getting a force a first rounder for a that's fine. 32 year old coming off injury wide receiver. But again, I love it for Tennessee. And that'll really help them. I love it for Tennessee. If you play zero games, like I love it for Tennessee, just like it's a scratcher. It's a lotto ticket. It's like, what are you going to do with the two bucks? Yeah. You're down to your last two bucks. Buy a fucking scratcher. What are you going to do? Invest it. Dogecoin. Isn't that your thing? Yeah. Team Dogecoin, huh? Yeah. Got, I mean, it hurts that I didn't sell a lot of it before Elon Musk took a dump on Saturday Night Live. But, I mean, I'm still plus a lot of money. Oh, my God. Before On some, I for- on some free Robinhood stocks we got four years ago. Before I forget, I forgot I had this sitting here. So my brothers came over on, on Friday. First time since first time all five, just the five of us have gotten together uh, since my dad's funeral. And, and we're finally starting to go through the house. And my mom kept everything. And I mean everything. For anybody on YouTube or anybody who watches, I got to show this. The first ever Bengals jersey I ever had. That's hilarious. I was in the first grade, a little boomer sizing. Yeah. See the brand. (laughs) A Rawlings Youth Large. Might still fit me since I'm a little guy. And then I couldn't believe this. I thought I burned it. I still have circa 2005. Your Carson Palmer jersey. (laughs) I thought I burned it. Well, cause I know my, you know, my, and my dad had bought me a Ocho Cinco shirt. There was a funny shirt with his face when he had the blonde Mohawk. And I remember putting those in a drawer and I remember being like, I'm one Christmas season saying I'm burning that stuff. Dad, I'm done with the bangles. And I thought I burned it. So if anybody wants a 2005 era Carson Palmer used Jersey. And, and, and when I pulled it out, my brother, my brother, you know, my brother said, he goes, Oh, that's the Jersey where you almost made out with mom in. That's hilarious. That's where I'm wearing the jersey of the infamous picture where it looks like I'm about to uh, kiss your mom in the mouth. Yeah. When I got so drunk on that Christmas Eve game against the Bills and the Bengals lost. <laughs> but uh, yeah, maybe I'll keep it for that reason. Now that I think about it, but uh, found those gems. Oh, bring it back the memories. That was in the Bengals box in the basement. No, it was, it was in my, it was in a box full of all our stuff, like some grade school jerseys and not just mine, all the brothers. And like, 
I mean, you'd be shocked what we've already found. Dude, I found my some of my disciplinary action from kindergarten. Like, there's some funny, funny things in there. And 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 I'm like so thankful to my mother for keeping shit. We used to give her hell, but now it's like it just brings back memories of uh especially the bangle stuff brings back memories of just heartbreak and defeat and uh yeah the last time they won a playoff game that was their quarterback fun fact for any cincinnati Bengals fans or football fans boomer or palmer boomer yeah 1991 first round wild card game against the houston oilers and then the next week they lost to the los angeles raiders not only did the Bengals lose, they also ended Bo Jackson's athletic career. Yeah, it's rough. I mean, they didn't end it, but they basically they ended the greatness. They ended the greatness. So that's something that's lost in the mix of all the Bengals. Like they cursed Bo Jackson's career in that game that they lost. Anyway, you want to get to some calls? We, we've had a lot of calls sitting here. And sure. uh, before we get to calls, the hotline is 310-359-8365. I got tons of koozies, guys. Get them out. I want to get them out. So drop a review. Leave your Twitter, Instagram handle, or you can email me if you don't have either of those. AndyRuther45 at gmail.com. I'll send you the koozies for free. I've already got postage. So... Drop a review. You got an old one. You can update it. You want some new koozies? It's that easy. Okay. We have a question about Sam Tripoli, which I think this is a good question because a lot of people might not know this. So mm -hmm. I think this is good for clarification purposes. Yeah. Hey, fellas. It's JT from Jersey. Longtime listener. Um, just listening to Thursday's show and you know, more shade is being thrown at Sam Tripoli. And I was just wondering if you guys could explain the whole Sam Tripoli thing. I know I knew more about it at one point, like at the backstory, but I just can't fucking remember. Um, but I love it. Fuck that guy. Uh, condoms are still for Joe Bartnick. Well, for the record, I like, I love Sam too. Like this yeah. is, you do too. This isn't, there's yeah, no the back the, the backstory is very very simple. Um, I love Sam. You love Sam. We've done a lot of stuff together. We've done crossover punch drunks with Dirty Sports. We've both been on punch drunk singularly. Um, I've done a ton of Sam's comedy shows. I like hanging out with Sam. Sam's a great guy. Uh, I don't. I think he lives on Mars now. I don't know. <laughs> like I think I I know I know his babies like Ninja and Ghost uh, and him are like traveling you know, the uh, post-apocalyptic wasteland, like the fucking, you know, Mad, Mad Max, Max or whatever. <laughs> but uh, I haven't seen Sam in a while, you know, uh, I think because he doesn't go out because he refuses to wear a mask or something. I don't know. But the backstory is Sam is an old head. And when it comes to NBA stuff, Sam is literally going, walking around, talking about, you know, Michael Jordan's the greatest because LeBron, 275 pound, six foot nine, LeBron would never be able to survive the punishment of Vinny the Microwave Johnson and Bill Lambeer and hand checking. Like the beef 
and he and when we did his show when I've done his show multiple times, he gets very worked up. He's just an old head. He is the definition of 90s basketball old head like like you know cheddar dick like he he fucking it's not even like it's not even about jordan for him it's all about oh it's so it's so soft these days and everybody was so tough back in the day and the basketball was better and like so our basketball our beef is basically a lebron michael jordan beef but it's deeper than that because it's a it's a Sam Tripoli thinks plumbers shooting set shots and clotheslining dudes as they come down the lane was good <laughs> basketball. <laughs> and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the climax of this happened when you and I went to the All Things Comedy Studio. And there, I mean, Sam was, they were screaming. Sam was, left, right? And then he came I, back. I, I was just about to say, Sam, Sam was so angry, he walked out mid-podcast recording and I think that was the climax of. Yeah. And to be fair, like this happens. Sam's like 51 or something like that. Like Sam's old as shit. And um, that's fine. But he's just like it. He's like he's your he is the face body. He is the embodiment of 90s basketball was good. Cheddar dickery that and, is and, responsible and for so much terrible Internet hot takes. And, and the thing about Sam, like you said, Sam's a great guy. Sam called me. I, I talked to him at length a couple months ago. Nothing but nice asking how I'm doing. He was, you know, it seems like he's found a new side and he was talking to me. You know, if you ever need anything and talking about how I'm coping with losing my parents. He's and, a great guy. And that's the thing. He, it, it was a great call. But I think our problems have been not only is he an old head, as, as you've pointed this out at times, Joe, and it's true. He's the guy who doesn't watch the game. Oh, he runs 14 podcasts he and sees the two, Twitter highlight. He has 14 podcasts. He has two daughters. He sleeps in some sort of hyperbaric chamber. <laughs> he doesn't, you know, he doesn't use the internet because he doesn't want Bill Gates living in his brain. He's been banned from Twitter. Like he did, he's straight up like, I don't even think he watches Clippers games. I don't know where he would have the time. If you look, he he podcasts for more hours a day than he could possibly be awake. So I don't know when he's watching basketball. So then the, the, that's what's always frustrating is like there's a guy screaming at you about the NBA and he's so desperately clinging to the 90s because it's the last time you watched a basketball with any consistency. <laughs> and you're like, dude, I watch basketball every day. And he's like, they're such fucking pussies. I'm like, you watch one clip of Tony Parker flopping from like 14 years ago. What are you talking about? <laughs> you don't even know who's on your own squad. Well, we have a follow-up call. I don't know if you remember. All that being said, I love Sam. And I yeah. wish I could I wish I could hang out with Sam more, but he lives on Planet Podcast. Yeah, exactly. Nothing but love. We just don't agree on the basketball discussion. So we have a follow-up call. I don't know if you remember. A dirtball had called asking for some advice from the one and only Bill Walton concerning his son playing little league baseball right so his follow-up call follow-up call from his from his i think four-year-old son sure so his four-year-old son has followed up thank you bill walton 
Thank you, Daryl Washington, for helping me to do my baseball. Oh, it's very sweet. That was amazing. Yeah. I wonder if uh, I can get Phil on the line here to... Uh, Andy Ruther, Joe Prano, and, and whatever that young fella's name is, talk about warming your heart on a Monday morning. You wake up, the birds are chirping, the bugs are singing, the teepee, the the sunlight is breaking through the walls of the teepee, waking me up naturally. I don't use it an alarm clock. Just the sunlight streaming into the teepee. As I sleep here down in beautiful San Diego in Southern California. Oh, it's so great. You know, they talk about the California smog. I don't see it. And if I do, it's it's making just the best sunsets ever. I wake up and I get a call from Andy Ruther. Just want to pass along to you, Bill. Just want to throw down on your voicemail this thank you from a young child. And And honestly, it just warms my heart. The thought out there that he's out there clubbing balls off a tee running the bases nothing freer in life than when you're a young kid running the bases and they try to tell you know the one thing i love about young children and t-ball it's it's the first time it's the end of innocence they just go running in any direction they want their parents start going go this way now you have to go that way before that it's just run wherever you want that that when you strike your first t-ball and you run that's literally where innocence ends they start telling you where to go in life. Just a lot. Oh, the older generation is pointing you where to go. But the idea that he couldn't even experience that until I helped him hit that T-ball hands high, throw down on that baseball. I love it. You know, it just, it warms my heart. It's been a long time since I raised a young child. You know, I had a couple do okay. Luke up there in Sacramento, you know, leading the Kings the next great young team in the NBA. Watch it happen. I'm calling it here. Sacramento Kings making the playoffs next year. Calling it now. I've seen it with my third eye. But, you know, to, to have a hand. I've got long arms, Andy. To have, to have a hand in the, in the growth of more youngins out there. Just warms, it warms my gigantic seven-foot heart. Well, Bill, now that I got you, I have just one last question, a personal question from mine. Throw down all the questions you want, Andy. It's Monday and you've woken me up from a from a giant slumber with the news of a of a young child. So I live near the biggest outdoor music venue in Cincinnati. It's maybe a mile and a half away on the river. It's called Riverbend. Andy Ruther, if you don't think I've been to Riverbend, you don't know anything about me. I attended Riverbend in 1985. Jerry was still alive. Well, that's what I, how did you know that's where I was going? Because I just saw Bill that they have, you know, they're adding shows now. Obviously, with COVID, they waited on all this. They're just not. And I saw they've added a date with the Dead and Company at Riverbend. And I believe it's actually also on 9 11. Wow. Wow. Well, should I, don't I know. Should about, I attend? Should I attend? I don't know about Twin Towers, Andy, but if you can get yourself on some stilts, maybe you can join me. There will at least be one tower. At Riverbend on 9-11. That will be me, the seven foot. The, you know, they, people say Hall of Famer Bill Walton. Former MVP of the NBA, Bill Walton. NBA, multiple, two-time NBA champion, Bill Walton. 
collegiate superstar, Bill Walton. But you know what my favorite title is, Andy? World's tallest deadhead. Come on. What's better than that? And I love it. I go to shows. I go to shows in upstate New York and rural North Dakota and on, on the Great Plains of Texas and the Rocky Mountains of Colorado or River Bend in Ohio. And people see me standing there and they say, look at that guy. And, mo- you know, most deadheads don't know basketball. They don't know what a basketball looks like compared to a soccer ball. But they see, they go, look at that guy. He's just so dang tall. And I say, hey there, tallest deadhead in the world, Bill Walton. Great to meet you. And every once in a while, you know, they're old enough to remember the 80s Celtics team. Or maybe their dad was a big 78 Blazers fan. And they say, that's Bill Walton. There goes Bill Walton. NBA great. And I'm just like, I'm just so happy to be here. Look at John Mayer up there doing his best Jerry impression. Fingering some licks. Well, I am, uh, I'm excited. I'm glad we could get Bill on for that because, uh, you know, and hearing him, Joe, I was actually thinking I will go again. It's, it's literally down the street from me. You've driven by it's right next to the racetrack, the horse racetrack in the casino. I'll wear my Bill Walton tie dye shirt to that concert. You should. My, so my brother, Greg, I don't know if you knew this. He is a diehard Grateful Dead fan. Like he's going to see, yeah. So he's going to see Dead and Company, I think, in Chicago, like right before this. He he's in the middle. That's all he was reading. He's reading. It's like a seven hundred page book on the history of Grateful Dead. He was reading on vacation. He he loves Grateful Dead. It's awesome. So I'll have a uh, a partner in crime, and also I can't wait to run into Bill. I mean, that's pretty. I who knew he was coming to Cincinnati? Oh yeah. I think it all depends on his schedule. I've I've heard him talk about that before, but he goes to a lot of shows. So yeah, try out. He really does. Dry off for the tallest deadhead. So Coach K announced he's retiring last week. And we got a call from our boy John Smith, who is a North Carolina native who, you know, covered sports for years. He has some thoughts and he DM me and he asked if we had talked about it. I said, yeah, we already talked about it, but I'd love to hear your input. So he has some thoughts on Coach K's retirement announcement. Okay. What's up, boys? Time for some college basketball talk. Coach K decided he was making the move and retired. Not at the end of the season, but announced his retirement before the start of the season. What a dumb move. I can't stand this move that he's going to sit there and every place he goes, they're going to have a celebration before. It's not about him. It's about the kids that he's recruited. Now, this year's going to be the worst. What do you guys think? Stay dirty, boys. I 100% agree. The uh, the farewell tour is the worst. It's the worst. Uh, here's the only justification, the only argument I can make is that you want to be fair to the kids who you're recruiting now or just recruit or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like I understand not having a kid come to Duke to play for the great coach K not knowing that coach K is not going to be there. That being said, um, 
there's gotta be a way to do this, you know, without that. Like, but I also think this is coach K. I think coach K, I think the farewell tour is absolutely part of the thing. And I, yeah, I think it's going to be miserable. I hate the farewell tour. I think it's super selfish, but you know, the difference between being an NBA player and announcing this is my last year and being the coach who's responsible for recruiting long-term saying this is going to be my last year. Like that's the only justification for it. So who knows? Like it still sucks, but yeah, I'm not a fan of farewell tours either. Look, I get it. You've been there 40 years as Duke's head coach, but it, it does, it does take away from the kids and the current players because every single venue you go to is going to be a trophy presentation. To me, the coach is worse than the player. Like when Jeter's doing this or Kobe, it's one guy on a team. Now your coach is part of this ceremony before every game. You talk about a distraction. Yeah. The only, really the only justification is that it's, you know, a college coach and, you know, how do you recruit guys this year while, and then, you know, do the bait and switch, which we've heard sure. a lot of people complain about over the years. If you knew you were leaving, why didn't you tell me? Why would I come here? Yeah, but he also could tell the university and not release it. Right. And, you know, I'm sure it's tough to keep stuff under the wraps, especially in this day and age, but yeah. there is that possibility. Okay, so we need to check in with Nick Yardley. He's officially our drunk Amarillo. Northern, yeah, but you know, he, he's upstate New York, like our, our drunk like originally our drunk upstate New York. 315 crew just hung out with a correspondent, our boy Zach down in San Diego, Dr. Dirtball. FYI, these are these are gibberish, but I figured okay, we can play them. <coughs> this is a 2:15 in the morning call Saturday, followed by another one. Square up. Hey, yo, Dirty Sparks, Charlie. I got two questions. One question for Ruther. Ruther, let me, I'm going to start this one. I'm going to call you right back. Okay, so he, so he struggles. This is his callback. Okay. Hey, yo, Charlie. Hey, Dirty Sparks, I got two things on my mind right now. Pussy and food, I'm wasted. <laughs> one question for Joe. Joe, I know you get laid. You ain't got to worry about this. But, Joe, ah, fuck. I got to call back again. Ruth, I know you're going to mention this, so I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll drink more, I think. What? what those are the two calls? Yeah. The, like, that was our update from uh, Amarillo. drunken correspondent Nick Yardley. Square up, bro. He said, I got two things on my mind. Pussy and food. <laughs> it's unbelievable. You can do both at once. It's amazing. The Costanza. In fact, I would argue. What about the pecans? <laughs> In fact, I would make an, a strong argument. There is nothing better than getting laid, especially if in that state of mind when you're inebriated, and then getting some shitty food with that said girl. You're like, yo, we just banged it out. Now let's go crush some Mickey D's, or as Nick D'Alessandro calls it, Don's. Don's. <laughs> I'll never get over that. That is too funny. That's an all-time moment. What do you mean you don't know Don's? 
Oh, you mean Mickey D's, but literally 1,000% of the population calls it? No, we're going to the Don's. Is that a fucking pizza place? That was on the trip to Amarillo. Yeah. When we first learned about it. we should get some Don's. That was the Don's that killed our steak challenge. Oh, my God. Talk about a reckless decision. Reckless. Why didn't we just eat earlier that day? I think you could have done it. I think you could have done the steak challenge. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. How many? What did we? What, what did we eat at that McDonald's? I know I had at least two. Yeah, I think I had like two cheeseburger. I think I had like a two cheeseburger meal. Reckless. At like four p.m. I tried that new McDonald's chicken sandwich. By the way, which they have a new one. Yeah, that they're advertising on TV for. I know Burger King's got a new one. People I haven't tried that one. People hype in the Burger King's chicken sandwich. The uh, McDonald's one I tried twice because I was like uh, I I tried twice in the last it, it's like two months old I go you know I'm gonna try it again, bro. It's lame. Okay. And by the way, we, we got we got a new one. We got a new one. You th- think the shake machine's broken? I got a new one. I went. This wasn't recent. This was I don't know. Maybe it was two months ago. There's a there's a 24 hour McDonald's by me, and when you live in the suburbs, there's not much 24 hour stuff. So like that one gets packed as you can imagine yeah. basic supply and demand it's one of those that has two lanes for it yeah everyone's waiting it's a saturday night i've been hanging out with buddies right so i'm going a little later at night probably like 1 a.m pull up woman says to me after i've already been waiting for a good 10 minutes just to make my order she says do you have cash the credit card machine's broken and i'm like what? i'm like what I'm thinking, dude, this is an all timer. I've already waited 10 minutes. You're saying you better take Venmo. Yeah, your machine. And luckily, I did have cash. A lot of times I don't. I was like, and that's what I was thinking in my head, thinking, and I'm looking in the line. The line's like all high school and college kids. I'm thinking, I'm the oldest person probably in this fucking line right now. None of these kids have, they don't even know what cash is nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hundred percent a ploy. Mata doesn't know a zip code. I mean, Jesus. You have cash. Our machines broken. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm thinking of the person who owns that franchise. When I bet they crush business late night like that, especially when they're the only one around. I was. I almost. I almost turned full boomer. I almost was like, I want to get in touch of who owns this and let them know that somebody's really trying to fuck with their business. The machines down. It's like saying, oh, we don't have any Big Macs here. All right, we got time for one more call? Yeah, we got time for one more. What time is it? Yeah, we got plenty of time. This this would be more for you, I think. A little okay. baseball question, because I've seen some things, but I don't fully know exactly what he's talking about. Hey, boys, this is your Indiana Dirtball Preston, and um been down a YouTube rabbit hole recently watching uh, a lot of John Boys um, videos. And uh, I don't know if you've been keeping up with the whole Trevor Bauer and the foreign substance um, issue that's going on in baseball. But uh, I was curious if you thought that the baseball is doing to Trevor Bauer um, like what it did to Barry Bonds. It's uh, making it a scapegoat, making him a sca- scapegoat. Um and I'm just curious if if you agree with that take. 
And um, also, just you need to watch John Boyd's videos. They're awesome. Great comedy. Great baseball commentary. Um, anyway, um, condoms are for the Patriots. And uh, stay dirty. Uh, so what is the update on the, you know, I've obviously seen it in the news of the Trevor Bauer stuff. Well, so here's, here's the, the situation. So it's, it's basically steroids all over again, but we now have a situation in baseball with the shift, with the launch angle, with the power pitching, where we now have a situation where uh, batting averages are way down balls in play are way down. Um, great pitching performances are way up the same way when we had steroids, we had tons of home runs, averages were up, juiced ball, blah, 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 blah. It has now gotten to the point where, um, baseball is like, we've gone too far, you know, uh, not enough guys are hitting. So now the same way as when the guys were, you know, Brady Anderson was hitting 50 home runs where baseball is like, it's, it's gone too far. Now what we need to do is we need to act like we have a problem suddenly that we've actually had for 25 years. So the same way as in baseball in the fucking mid 2000s, they started caring about steroids, which again, my, my statement with steroids has always been the same. My brother John told me because I loved Jose Canseco in the late 80s that Jose Canseco was on steroids. My brother John has never watched a single complete baseball game from start to finish ever in his life not well, a sports I, fan and i can validate that because we went to the giants mets game and he and must he have like yeah he, he, like, he must have asked a seal on the mascot yeah, thing and, he must have asked a million times if he could because we were right in front of the visitor dugout if he could stand on top of the dugout i'm like dude what i'm i'm, I'm not surprised i'm surprised he didn't ask how many outs there were in an inning not a sports fan john owns a yankee hat i think but like not a sports fan so my point was somebody who doesn't know about anything knows just from word of mouth, knows just from people talking about it, knows just because he wants to ruin his younger brother's like fandom. Oh, that guy's on steroids. I was like, I don't even know what steroids are. So the foreign substance on uh, pitchers gloves, on pitchers hats, on pitchers. This is older than I am. Consistently. It never stopped. It never stopped. I mean, you can go back to a guy getting suspended in the Dodgers series in the 80s. You can go back to the fucking 70s. It has never stopped. Not for one second. And so every day now, the John Boys of the world, who, by the way, does a fantastic job on social media, and everybody else, the, you know, the Twitter detectives, they show guys rubbing their gloves, and they, oh, look at me. He goes back to his glove after every pitch, and he does that. Yeah. They're doing it. They have substances on their gloves. A lot of these guys do. Um, and it's not a problem for baseball in the past because it was a way that pitchers were counteracting the juiced ball, the steroids, the whatever. Now we've gotten rid of the juice ball. We've gotten rid of the steroids. Batting average are down. And suddenly baseball is being like, we have this problem with foreign substances and spin rates and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, you've always had this problem. You just liked how it counterbalanced. So now that it's no, now that pitchers are dominating, you're going to pretend like this is an issue. So yeah, absolutely. Is Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Listen, 
it's one of those things where baseball is going to deny it until they can't deny it anymore. And now you have everybody doing the Twitter detective thing. Trevor Bauer gets a lot of attention because he's so fucking outspoken, outspoken. So yeah, he's going to be, but like when this happens, it's going to be a thing where we see how many guys. Now the great thing for me is I have a forget once in a generation. I have a once in a fucking ever ace on the Mets who's dominating to levels that haven't been seen since fucking Bob Gibson through 10 starts or whatever. And the New York Mets yesterday had a 14 player tweet thread being like, Hey, just so you know, Jacob deGrom does this a hundred percent clean. And boy, does that make my fucking heart sing? Um, Guys, guys saying they'll put their contract they'll, they'll bet their salary that you can't find a substance on his glove, which my point is this. The great guys don't need it. But just like Barry Bonds didn't need it when the other guys are doing it, how do you not? Barry Bonds only took steroids because fucking Sammy Sosa hit 60 home runs. And he was like, well, I'll hit 100. And then he fucking could have if they didn't walk him. 200 times in a season. So there are guys out there who probably, you know, have been doing this their whole careers. And I don't know if Bauer did. Bauer certainly had a nice little, like, you know, you look at Bauer, nice little two-year, three-year run here. He he fell off pretty hard there in the middle. He had a, you know, a career four ERA or something like that. Like, you know, so is he, is he a scapegoat? Yeah, probably. Tons of guys are doing this tons and have been doing it forever yeah i i know they've done it forever that's been a thing if you've ever followed baseball it's definitely getting more attention now with these videos and with social media my buddy yeah. who played minor league ball sent me the josh donaldson calls out garrett cole amid mlb cheating saga and he said i've been talking about this shit for years I was like, seems like the time has finally come. And he goes, it's just shocking. It's been so widely known for at least 20 plus years. And that's why I said, I said, baseball, MLB gives zero fucks until they can't not give a fuck. Yeah, it's kind of been their MO. It really has on all this stuff. Well, drop us a line. 310-359-8365 is our hotline. Give us a follow on social at The Dirty Sports. And again, drop a review to get some koozies sent courtesy from yours truly in the mail. At Joe Prano on all things social media, except for Twitter, at Fix Your Life. Follow me on Instagram. Uh, follow me everywhere else. Keep drinking Miller Lite. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. Shows cool. shows in and around LA uh, for the rest of June. So I'll be I'll be here. If you guys want to come to a show, check out JoePanner.com. Put my shows up there. You guys want to help me uh, organize my uh, current residence? You can DM me as well because uh, need all the help I can get. DM Andy. I want some Ohio dirt balls over there helping Andy organize. I uh, there's there, there's a lot there's a lot of dirt balls out here. There's there's a lot. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Thank you for the support. Have a great week. And as always, stay dirty.